Hey, you're listening to Randy Villarba's podcast, collection of random rants on a random podcast recorded by a random person in a random location, just like all the other thousands of random podcasts that are all being started right now because we all need connection. We're all in quarantine, social distancing all across the globe. I'm a writer, a stand-up comic, state-licensed cannabis dealer, <laughs> avid snowboarder, overall hooligan. Well, that was before. This is now. And definitely have plans for after. Uh, so you're going to be listening to a nice collection of rants, conversations between myself and other friends and people I know in quarantine. Shit's real. Hope you guys are out there being safe, taking care of your loved ones. And we're all going to make it to the other side of this. Right? Yeah, right. Enjoy. Cheers. Hey, you're listening to episode five of the Before, Now, and After podcast. So I started this podcast, just, you know, got the idea from when I was calling my friends and family, catching up what was going on during the different social distancing and different pace of like regulations and so social regulations they started rolling out. So as I started releasing these episodes, I actually had an old friend of mine uh, reach out. Her and I actually go back, uh, way back, uh, all the way to elementary school. Her father was the deacon at Ascension Parish Catholic Church, uh, the Catholic church I went to back in Terrasana in San Diego growing up. And uh, we're catching up trying to figure out when the last time we saw each other. And it was actually the 1900s. <laughs> but uh, we've kept in contact over social media. And, uh, of course, with everything going out, um, she's actually moved from Southern California, has been living out in Iowa, out in the Midwest. Uh, she's uh, editor for the Creston News Advertiser out there. So I'm really excited to kind of hear the juxtaposition of what, what's going on in a smaller town uh, in Midwest, uh, in the Midwest of America, you know, kind of comparing what's been going on to the, you know, different cities as we've been catching up. So please enjoy episode five with my good friend, Miss Sarah Skull. Hi, you're listening to episode five of the Before, Now, and After podcast. Um, really, really excited, actually, uh, for our next guest. Uh, it's actually an old childhood friend of mine. Uh, grew up in Terrasana, suburbs of San Diego, um, going to the same uh, uh, church. Her father's actually the deacon at the uh, Catholic Church, Ascension Parish, uh, uh, where I grew up. Um, also went to uh, 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 Sarah High School together as well. I think I had a ceramics class uh, with Mr. Nairi, where we used to build bongs, or at least build things. <laughs> oh, there she is. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Hey, Randy, it's going great. How have you been? Uh, well, fucking covering, what, two and a half decades. Uh, yeah, ups and downs, awesomeness, and more awesomeness, and lows, and more awesomeness, and, you know, life. Exactly. Yeah. So here we are. So, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, put this in perspective, uh, just kind of talking to you before we set this podcast up. Um, we haven't talked since the 1900s, really, right? Right. It's been a really long time. I followed you on social media like I do pretty much all of my old classmates, but I left Sarah High School, I think my sophomore year, um, like you, a little bit of a troublemaker, but uh -huh. yeah, I ended up doing homeschool. So yeah, I just kind of lost track of a lot of people, but we went to the same church. So I think we were a little bit more connected. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 definitely. Uh, I always bump into your uh, brother, Matt, when I pop into the local pub, JP's pub. Um, yeah, that's um, right. I yeah. tend to hit up the pub when I'm back once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, st I st uh, stopped by there. Um, yeah, for three years, I was doing a stand-up comedy show there, too, on Sunday nights, which which was a lot of fun. Had, had a lot of times to catch it up with your brother. But but yeah, so what, let's see, let's rewind. Night. 1900s ladies and gentlemen yeah we were at sarah high school and then uh I, back then i was actually playing bass uh in the church band of ascension parish which is actually the last time i saw you and uh yeah well, well 
yeah, I mean, s- since then, I mean, I know you're out there in Iowa now. I mean, right. Yeah. So, so how, how'd you make that transition from being the Southern California, San Diego girl and then Iowa? Yeah. I ask myself that every day, but actually I married an Iowa guy who, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, he was teaching in California. He came out here after college. Um, I actually met him on the onion personal ads and we kind of just ran with it so <laughs> oh, the onion Who personal knew ads wow yeah fake I news see those real personals wow wow I, okay I, so yeah that yeah. happened um we got married in 2009 or eight or nine I can't remember it's all a blur we're divorced now but yeah we ended up moving back to Iowa where he's um you know he's from here and he had family here and it was California was laying off a lot of teachers in 2012 and um, so he was one of those teachers that was pink slipped. And so we just decided to go somewhere more affordable and Iowa was it. And I really, you know, it's hard adjustment going from a city of 3 million people to a town of 7,800. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought you were so, going to keep it in a double digit when you started at 70. I was just like, okay, so 7,800. So that's like, if, if they packed Jack Murphy Stadium or Qualcomm Stadium or San Diego County Credit Union, whatever the hell they call it now since the Chargers left, uh, if you pack that stadium and then fill the parking lot, that sounds like your town. I think the stadium has more seating than my town. I actually oh. was thinking about it. I lived on Montezuma Road right before I left, um, right by San Diego State University. There were more residents on that street than I think in my town if you consider all the dorms and, you know, the campus. So, but yeah, it's a tiny town. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you move from California, you're in Iowa. Um, what, what'd you, what'd you end up doing for a living? Like, uh, oh, like gosh. That, you, you talked about a gambit of diff- different things that, uh, yeah, opportunities so, small towns kind of offer. Right. So the interesting thing about moving to a small town, um, or what I wasn't prepared for was the industries were so different. So I was working for the Grossmont Cuyamaca college district for their foundation doing fundraising. And when I moved out here, I thought, you know, they have a community college in my town where I live now. And I thought I would just make that transition, but they don't have any paid positions with their foundation. So there wasn't any nonprofit paying nonprofit work here that I could really find. So, um, no, I I couldn't find a job because it was like, in a small town, it really is about who you know, what family you belong to. And the industries were different because it, it's a lot of agriculture, factory work, and then, you know, there's other businesses. But so anyway, my newspaper at the time had an opening for an editor position and I applied to it. I did not get it. Um, but I did tell them in my interview, I said, I can talk to anybody. I don't have a background in journalism, by the way, but um, mm-hmm. they, they did call me two weeks later and offered me a position as a reporter. So, so that kind of was my, yeah, that was my first job moving to Iowa was I became a reporter for our town newspaper. What was, what was the name of the newspaper? So I, it's the, I, I work there currently. It's called the Crested News Advertiser. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, probably one of the largest newspapers and by large, um, it's not incredibly large, but it is large. It services um, ter- your region. Right. It serves our region, like our quadrant of the state, the Southwest quadrant. It's one of the larger newspapers. You know, the Des Moines Register really is the big paper, but okay, so, yeah, so, we we're a local paper. Yeah. So, so but you're saying it covers the south, Southwest region. So, uh, so five counties. So, so roughly five counties. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you mentioned you're working there now and uh, can't, can't help it. Uh, ask this question i mean so as you're working there at the newspaper like uh as things started to happen the last couple months um what's the state of iowa now (laughs) it's really interesting how this all rolled out because in news you know our paper is really localized to what's happening in our community so we don't really even though we have the ap like the associated press feed come to us that we can use as filler in our papers I try not to include a lot of that because you can apply, you can find that online or get is that it, through the register. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of live in this little silo, this little bubble of my own um, counties. And so when COVID hit the US, I wasn't paying attention to it really. Um, I had little, heard little bits about it. And then um, when I went back to San Diego in early February, my father picked me up from the airport and made a Corona joke. And so I, it didn't <laughs> register, it didn't resonate with me at all because it hadn't hit Iowa. And so when I went back to Iowa, um, I started hearing more about it and it really didn't hit Iowa until like mid March. So for us, it was kind of like something that was happening to other people. Like it wasn't happening here. It was just kind of like, Oh, it's happening on the coast or, you know, wherever else, Europe. Yeah. So it didn't phase many people here. But once it hit Iowa, then like all shit hit the fan. You know, people were becoming more concerned. And and it really was kind of, you know, the cases kind of just kept building day by day. You'd watch those counts. So, yeah, mid-March is when it really started happening. So so as far as um, everybody out there, you're saying it, it hit mid-March. What... Um... Like, what's the gauge on, on, on people's opinion there? Is everybody uh, kind of doing, the, I mean, my, my gauge is what's happening here in Las Vegas or, you know, keeping in contact with family out in California. Like, it, it's uh, they're definitely a little bit uh, intenser, more uh, increased social distancing measures with, uh, you know, heavy suggested masks. Uh, you know, some counties are now mm-hmm. fining people thousands of dollars for not wearing masks. Of course, like, the stores right. are limiting entrances. Like, um is it still the same day to day in your town of 78,000 or, or has, has things shifted and people's attitudes shifted? Well, I think the shift really came in late March when we, well, actually kind of toward late March when more cases were happening um, in Iowa. And then we got our first case in our County. We only have one so far. Um, Just, I think it was a week or two ago. And that's when you really started seeing more people um, wearing masks. Um, the social distancing you could really start to feel because the governor did start um, mandating closures of certain non-essential businesses and whatnot. But you really didn't see, well, actually you saw the panic buying happening. So like what's happening in California, people started buying out all the toilet paper and you know, baking supplies and there was no bread and, you know, so that started happening, but that happened before there was really, I don't know, there wasn't, people weren't social distancing as much, but they were panic buying. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, the panic buying was definitely where it all started before uh, it, yeah, started being filtered to us uh, of of what exactly was happening. Um, You mentioned Mm -hmm. like the closing down of like essential businesses and stuff and, you know, I mean, this is me just being like, you know, a coastal kid thinking, thinking of like, you know, like the Midwest and uh, I'm not sure if you're considered the Midwest, right? Are you? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. See, hooray. No, I'm just I like, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm celebrating my little tiny knowledge of fucking. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know where Iowa was until I moved here. So don't worry. Oh, no, no. I mean, I've, I've been there back when I was like an electrician, electrician traveling. I mean, I know, mm-hmm. I know Des Moines and I know uh, Field of Dreams. But aside from that, you're talking about essential businesses closing. Um, like, are. Uh, some things that I'm seeing like online and in the news in regards to like churches and stuff like that, like, uh, like with it being Easter uh, just a couple days ago, were were, Mm -hmm. were churches out there open? Were people going? No. So a lot of our church, because the governor went really by the CDC um, advisories, Iowa did not do a mandated lockdown or, you know, shelter in place like other states. And I don't think that they will ever because we're not, I mean, aside from Des Moines and Cedar Rapids and those um, heavily populated urban areas, most of Iowa is pretty rural and people are pretty scattered, you know, scattered to yeah. begin with. So um, with the close, with the, uh, you know, recommendations of social distancing and no and no gatherings with 10 or more people, that really shut down t- churches. But how they worked around the Easter services, like some, they do um, their services online or some churches did like drive up church services that kind of thing oh okay no that's cool it's just like drive-ins to church (laughs) exactly oh man (laughs) they're making a comeback yeah no that's no well i mean you know everybody needs needs their faith for sure i mean um 
Uh, so has any of this shifted like your your day-to-day being a reporter like uh, or 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 are you basically yeah kind of doing the same or well um being a reporter we're considered an essential business um we have felt this shift pretty heavily in terms of advertising with small businesses being closed and a lot of industries being hit people pull their advertising because they're not selling or whatnot Um, or they're not making money if they are open. So they pull their advertising because that's one of the easiest ways to save money for their business. But what that does is that affects the paper because that's where our revenue comes in. So then we have to modify our operations to work around that by reducing hours and salaries and things like that. So it's affected us personally in that way, but we still have to deliver the news. So we do work, you know, more for less but that's fine because you you know you don't go into news to be rich yeah (laughs) so um but in terms of how um how how it's really changed in a lot of ways is that um yeah people are starting to you know first of all as reporters we're kind of like wondering what we're going to continue writing about like how how long is this going to go for and how long can we you know write about covid you know like there's there's no activities happening with sports canceled and you know what whatever else is happening so it's really becoming difficult to continue writing even though i know there's always a story yeah but that's made the job very difficult and then yeah just um you know, print media is really shifting to digital. So that's kind of an interesting shift for us. Yeah, um, yeah no, as far as, uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean as far as uh, publications and the, sh- the shift to digital. Um, one of my first jobs coming out of uh, uh, college, uh, working here in San Diego, but started working with uh, Dining Out San Diego magazine. I uh, started as a writer, then worked my way up to city editor. And yeah, I mean, the shift of, of digital, um, uh, basically took uh, you know publications that I, I had worked with uh, that magazine nug magazine culture magazine also like newspapers mm-hmm. i was working with as things went more and more online there's been this uh, you know massive shift to that that's kind of what transitioned me over to digital social media marketing and uh, i'm just going into a resume right. for some reason <laughs> but but yeah which is uh, really the future well, well well yeah especially now where we're looking at i mean just over the last decade, looking at how many people are now reading articles over their phone. I remember back in the day, I'd look forward to actually grabbing the newspaper from um, from my doorstep and actually having the physical newspaper. And uh, I still love the physical paper. Yeah. I prefer it. <laughs> yeah. every, every time I visit my parents' house, I can't help but, but but kind of you know pick up the old Union Tribune, thumb through, and yeah. do the word jumble. And you know, uh, it's just. Uh, I, I don't know. There, there's something tactful about about the newspaper, but or, or even a magazine too. I'm I, I know I got stacks of magazines on my bookshelf, but like mm-hmm. it's it um yeah as far as far as work and having to rewrite stories on nothing but COVID, which is what people are just can only imagine what the Google search is right. And you kind of want to give them something else, you know. I think having so much, you know about COVID in the media can be detrimental, like really to mental health as well. I mean, you know, we're separated from each other and we're just kind of bombarded with this news about this virus. And, you know, people are really concerned about when does this go back to normal? And, but, you know, it really is taking a toll, I think. Um, And, you know, but you have to have stuff to write about. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you brought up a great point about mental health too. Um I, I was talking mm-hmm. to a good friend of mine who uh he goes to therapy and everything and because of this he's like, well, I can't go see my therapist face to face, so I I guess I could just talk to my phone like a psychopath. And I'm just going like <laughs> because because of the social distancing and stuff the ability to go to the office and and also a lot of people uh, who, you know, had scheduled, you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what are they called? Therapy sessions, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's right. Hooray, he knows that one too. Um, but there yeah, no, no, I mean, they're, they're having a, a difficulty reconnecting with, um, with their therapist or, or, you know, the people that they go see to kind of maintain like a uh, mental health. And it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's one thing I've been talking about, uh, with my previous guests, um, were like, you know, things that they've been doing in the, 
change of life of social distancing, having to stay at home a little bit more, um, you know, um, <laughs> like has has uh, all this stuff changed like what you do at home your day to day? I know being a reporter kind of gives you the, um, the ability to almost free float and work from home as you write. But um, has that flow changed for you at all? You know, for me, it hasn't really changed. I know that when I talk to other people, they're really struggling because, you know, one of my friends is like, I miss going to the office. You know, we all talk about how much we dislike going to work. But when you're not able to have that social interaction and you're alone for so long, you know, it starts eating at you. And but, you know, in the same breath, I've seen a lot of um, like actions of solidarity, like people decorating their homes. Um, in our small town, people jump in their cars on a Friday night and they'll go like what they call scoop the loop and they'll drive by and honk. And <laughs> it's like a big parade through town. Nice. And, you know, so there's like some, you know, and they're creating scavenger hunts around town and things like that, you know, to keep people, you know, connected and socialized. People are decorating like uh, nursing homes. Um, so like for me, it really hasn't changed um, other than I just don't go anywhere as much like you can't go to a bar or a restaurant but um you know my day-to-day really hasn't changed that's but that's refreshing to hear though I mean like that's one thing I, I was thinking about you mentioning you lived in you know s- s- smaller town smaller population mm-hmm. and 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 I've uh, friends that you know live in similar scale towns and they're that simplicity um whereas like you know the hustle bustle of going to major cities like right know, Vegas LA San Diego or New York or or where, wherever you have this mass concentration of people where um obviously like you know uh, uh dealing with the situation is a little bit more intense but um mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been fortunate to catch up with a lot of friends where where life is still kind of continuing as normal except the kids aren't going to school which kind of adds a little bit more one-on-one time which for me i'm like that's i don't know i'm i'm still single don't have kids of my own but i i can't help but think how like look looking at the added time that you'd have with your kids where you keep on hearing about you know parents not having the ability to have that time that's like one thing that i think is like at least a good pause well depending on you know if you're in a a different situation with parents and and, an altercation I guess I guess it's not universal yeah I mean we've actually my son's nine and having him home part you know we share custody but he's here a lot and so and I work from home part-time now with this um pandemic happening and yeah more time together we've done more puzzles we've played more games we've gone and flown a kite you know so we are doing more you know he's learning how to ride a bike and so, but yeah, we are spending more time together. So that has really been the bonus. I know some people aren't as enthused about that. <laughs> oh, oh, most definitely. So. I, I mean, I don't want to burn any of my friends, but uh, you could you could imagine like old college friends who are you know now now familyed up with kids and and some of the things that come across my phone. I'm just like sitting there going like, wow. Now I kind of understand. <laughs> and now I understand sitcom, yeah. com- sitcom comedy. So and, pay those teachers more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the teacher, the teacher aspect too. I'm talking with my teacher friends that are, you know, doing the whole, trying to teach their classes online. And, and especially right now, it's uh, now, uh, you know, April approaching May where um, like, you know, you're doing the more scholastic testing and then post scholastic testing to some extent, most of the teachers that my teacher friends have admitted is kind of more like busy work towards the tail end because everything has been so weighed heavy in the testing. So it's just kind of right. making it even more, difficult to try to continue to have a lesson plan well I think yeah and I think with the online schooling is problematic I mean you know our county is one of the poorest counties in Iowa out of Iowa's 99 counties were easily in the top 10 for um I mean by it's I don't know fairly middle class but we have a very high population of poverty you know and so with that comes with students who don't have computers don't have access to internet our libraries are closed you know so I feel like there are people who underserved and so that kind of you know highlights what a luxury education really is or if you don't have parents who value education or spend as much time reading at home or doing that kind of stuff so you know the school uh, system is really important and you don't realize how important it is to have those resources 
until you don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's basically almost as far as I know. I haven't done the research here, but across the U.S., almost you know, all fifty states are. I mean, all fifty states are affected. So I, I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it, it's a juggle on education. Where, where I'm at, like trying to remember if I was a kid dealing with this. I mean, you remember in San Diego, we had the teacher strike, which which only lasted mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks. But I mean, like I'm just like right. imagining like, yeah, this to some extent, this uh, like just just a pause of education definitely mixes with the flow for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think one of the other interesting things about all of this is just this is like the first pandemic we've had where we're doing it in a time of social media. So it's really been interesting to follow what people are sharing and posting and the amount of misinformation or hysteria that's created by what people share. Yeah, uh, uh, um, no, no, for sure. For sure. But uh, like, I, I mean, I can't I can't help but I mean. I have friends from all walks of life and, and like, there's, I mean, there's a decent amount of people out there that what they're sharing, whether it be misinformation or what have you, it, it just, it highlight it highlights uh, the fact that there are, is a large uh, population with, within our country that believes one way or the other. And as much as like mm-hmm. news and media uh, uh, keeps uh, t- telling us what's going on and, and updating us, I mean, these other people are doing their own research and sources and not, all, you know, sometimes like it's like you'll see those like, uh, uh, like I, I had a friend share a uh, like an article from March 2nd and saying, see, this is what they're saying. And then like, it was funny to read the comment thread with like all his friends going like, dude, you're sharing something from like over a month and a half ago. And it's like something as right. simple as that um, could waterfall in a day and age where people like, you're talking about going online back in the day you would thumb through a magazine and read the magazine or read the full newspaper whereas now people are just kind of reading headlines and scroll headlines and scroll and not even like reading the fine print and i think that's where personally i think that's where we're potentially at danger more is is people's inability to dig deep for themselves and look like and that and, and that's what scares me it's just like if you just read off of headlines like i mean you you could be influenced one way or the other without even really doing the research. And then- yeah, and that's the problem with headlines is, you know, some headlines are created so that you click, but if you don't click, <laughs> you know, it could be just a cause for a lot of spreading of misinformation or whatnot. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's uh, for, for me, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. It's not my area of expertise and, and, living in Las Vegas, I mean, the amount of uh, comedy mics and travel that I do is just kind of like, I, I just, you know, would like to just operate on a, a more safer approach to this. And, you know, that's, that's my mm-hmm. decision. And especially with my parents, you know, in their eighties and um, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, back in March to be able to, you know, kind of check in on them before all of a sudden it turned into, Hey, everybody stay away. And it's like, it's, it, it it's crazy now because it's you know luckily like my sister uh, sister's out there to kind of help you know help with the parents um but i mean the elderly are all 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 told stay at home and and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like it, it's kind of nerve-wracking to a point where it's like i wish i could help but what they're saying is like you kind of got to keep your distance so it's just yeah at, at, at this point I mean, my heart goes out to everybody with family i mean like i know I, I know yeah, I do, your family's in San Diego as well, and it's just like right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a situation where it's like I'm 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 longing like for most of us some form of normalcy or our ability to go see our loved ones, more so from like um, not just over a Zoom call <laughs> or, or right or over absolutely, FaceTime, but like. I, I kind of miss my dad yelling at me for life decisions and then all of a sudden <laughs> it going into Tagalog for a little bit. And he knows I don't understand Tagalog, but I, I, I know it's not good. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, you know, no, it never is. No, but it's always, you know, you know, to, to push and, and drive us to be the best, you know, the best we could be. So I know it's, you know, it's aggressive love, <laughs> but it's like, right? but, but like, you know, the, <laughs> three four decades of hearing that now I'm like oh, I can't wait till my dad could yell at me in person again it's something right simple. yeah no and that, I think that's the you know the hardest part is you know being away from my parents my parents are in their 70s and 
you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of this social distancing, when people don't take it seriously, it's really not, it's, it's about other people, you know, like we might be young and healthy, but it's about protecting those that may not, you know, fare as well, should they contract a virus like this. So, um, you know, I think I'm grateful that my brothers are in San Diego to help with them and do their shopping and stuff of that sort. Yeah, exactly. Do the Costco runs. I mean, I, I know the last time I was down in San Diego, my parents gave me the grocery list. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was just, it was kind of funny uh, uh, doing the grocery shopping as a ninja. I mean, like me being a like borderline like redneck, I already had like my, my bug out kit and everything with like an N95 mask. So I was like one of the early people going like, yeah, look at that Asian guy wearing a mask. So it's not anything <laughs> different from the norm for me shopping with a mask on, I guess, at the early stages but it, it's uh but i mean it's this is w- one of those times in our life i mean it's unprecedented uh, unprecedented that like you know we all have to look out for each other and um people are always highlighting like uh, obviously like the numbers the death the scare the risk and and mm-hmm. i can't help but just you know in catching up with, with with friends and stuff like that um and family hearing the positives of what's going on like the communities like you yeah. mentioned um you know like the parades that you guys are doing or or my my friends who own like restaurants and businesses that are like you know small businesses that are actually like cooking food and giving it out to those who can't um because like uh you know can't find food like something as simple as that or even what's even better is just families and friends within network and communities touching base with each other more to be able to kind of look out Mm -hmm. which i'm sure is kind of like the day-to-day out in iowa but like you know growing up in southern california that shit man that hasn't existed since the 80s or the last time i saw you in person i guess (laughs) yeah i don't think i've had you know it there is definitely more of a sense of community living in a small town than I had when I was living when I left San Diego because I really didn't know my neighbors or anything of that sort. Um, not like back in the day of Tier Santa where everybody knew everybody. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's really brought us back to that time. So I'm I'm kind of enjoying that aspect of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm enjoying that aspect uh, of it too. I mean, I, I. I was fortunate to to live the greater part of a decade up in uh, uh, Mammoth. I, I moved there up in 2005. Uh, lived there uh, to 2012. And when I was up there, I mean, the town itself. I think at the time was reporting itself as like a town of maybe 3,000, 3,500, which in all yeah, act- it's not big there. Yeah, it, it's not that big of a town. And uh, as uh, you know, it expands, of course, during the winter with with all the seasonal rentals mm-hmm. and stuff. But even then like just the year-round living once you got to summer got to know your community more um got involved in more and more events around town or just getting to know people you know being a bar fly eventually like just that community of where we were all away from the the majority of us away from the family and friends we had grown up with it kind of pulled us all together in a, a situation where you would do something like you know friendsgiving like everybody's coming together like right. you know like you were family or and then you get into the spring and summer months when when friends are harvesting gardens and stuff it's like people are spreading the love and that's one thing i'm i'm seeing now is uh yeah everybody's going like hey go to the grocery store you need anything friends doing runs for friends knowing to minimize you know trips is is the best we could do um to kind of help help yeah. help uh you know limit the spread and and flatten the curve and all the taglines they keep giving us i guess <laughs> but um <laughs> and i hope we can continue this you know after after this is all quote back to normal this this community aspect of it you know of people doing good for others you know it's it's nice to see it come back yeah yeah and it it, it, it's I mean it's it's definitely better to kind of focus on that instead of you know there's like the other side of the coin that's going on but I just think continued focus on seeing what what we could do for each other it it, I mean it it's it's a good way to kind of keep that in the head ride that energy and vibration and hopefully that's it kind of spreads to more more people um I, I I have no um like time machine prediction of as far as how long we're going to be dealing with this. But I mean, for, for the time being, it's just kind of like, just kind of taking it day by day. Like, I mean, like being a comic and yeah. as much travel as I do and, and the amount of social interaction to kind of hit this pause is definitely forced, uh, uh, forced a pause moment to focus on things that are, are way more, you know, you know, 
uh, really important to us. And, and yeah, human connection definitely is, is definitely one of them for sure. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And in terms of that outlook of when, when things will go back to normal, when we can start doing, you know, our normal lives again, it's, I don't know about what your thought on it is, but I just don't think it's going to snap back anytime soon. I really think, you know, until there's a vaccine, it won't be normal. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm listening to just like a lot of different podcasts and interviews um, and stuff, uh, you know, off off the media chain, but more so just kind of like, you know, comics and, and, and other podcasts I listen to. And, and it, they just kind of echo that, that it's like, uh, like, our comedy club's going to get full again? Probably not. It's going to be a slow pace. What's the first event that's going to happen? Is it going to be a music concert? Is it going to be, and even then, what's attendance going to be like? And to me, it's hard for me to fathom that at a time when we have our, our federal, state, and local governments uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, dic- uh, dictating these controls for, you know, for, for our public safety. And things going back to normal for me, I, I just keep going back to when I, I started to think, okay, now it's time to start taking this seriously. It was when the, um, I'm a huge English soccer fan, Liverpool fan, and when they started shutting down all the European soccer leagues, which was like one of the sports to shut down, I'm like, um, you know, went to the sports book. I'm like, oh, what do you mean there's no Champions League games going on? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, you know, went online, Google, and I'm like, oh my God, they canceled all the European leagues, of course, tied to Italy to begin with. And I'm just like sitting there going, right. like, okay, they're canceling sports. That's going to be the big, the big indicator of sports in this country because the amount of money that's involved in sports, the amount, not just oh, advertising absolutely. tickets, um, everything. I mean, like the Golden Knights, um, I'm a huge hockey fan, and they're even talking like if hockey started, would you show up? And like, you know, there's polls saying that majority of people – I don't know. I've I've read a news article that said they wouldn't, but every single group that I follow on Facebook is like, no, I'll be there for sure. And me, on the other hand, I I think I probably flip a coin and then maybe I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know those hardcore sports fans. I I kind of feel like they would just go go for I, it. <laughs> I, I don't know. For me, it's just to feel something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's just going back to the whole a dry cough the whole thing about like community i mean that's the one thing i love about sports i mean the two teams i just mentioned i mean like even go back to san diego growing up watching the padres and chargers whenever they actually had a decent playoff run Mm -hmm. it's that sense of community turning to the stranger to the left and right of you and realizing you have that common thread and energy to get behind something um and 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 it just that collective community is just contagious when it gets to sports especially when you buy in and it's uh but but yeah going back to why i brought up sports like until like professional sports and college sports get turned back on in this country i don't think anything else will too like i mean like and that would be a big gauge of of when i think things are going to start returning to normal it, it um they're, they're talking about baseball coming back and and possibly doing baseball no fans in uh in Arizona just to get the the, the season going mm-hmm. and get the stats going and have the teams play but then i just can't help but think okay it takes one or two of those players to get uh you know test positive and then we're restarting right. this and then you're back you know we're back to square one cuz all of a sudden the sports uh exactly how it happened like the utah jazz someone tested positive and then bam all of a sudden here we are (laughs) right and it's so and that's what's so strange about this um this virus is that it is so contagious and you know people like it took a while for people to really take it seriously and you know because they're like well so many people die from the flu every year and so many people die from this but it really is that incubation period of you know where the flu might be like four days four to ten days maybe or no, I mean, it's like one to four days, yeah. I think, with the flu to get some symptoms showing. But with this, you know, it's highly contagious. You know, you can get it from droplets in the air. Yeah. You know, and and it takes two weeks to experience. Yeah, symptoms. yeah, yeah. I've read so. articles two weeks. <laughs> I've read articles that say that, uh, you know, longer than that. I've read articles that say, <laughs> like i don't know all over the spectrum even to the point where it's just like yeah like what we're doing with these preventative measures really isn't doing anything and i'm just like going like well 
uh, at, at this point, it just boils down to me every day waking up, being grateful that I'm, you know, I have my health, touching, touching base with my mm-hmm. friends and family and every, everyone's okay. And eventually life will get back to um, some, like, you know, they'll start pulling back these uh, so, social restrictions and like, you know, states like Nevada, California, and, you know, my, my family's out on the East Coast and in, in New York, DC and all that stuff. They're just all over the place. But I'm, I, but I can't right. help but think, what is it going to be like? It's like a post 9-11 world, like we're going to the airports um, aren't, you know, we're never the same, except this time we're doing that with the world. <laughs> it's like the world will ever be the same. Like one, one thing that scares right. me is just like, as they talk about like, uh, you know, people who have an immunity, symptomatic, asymptomatic, it reminds me of like that Dr. Seuss book, like the Sneetches, where it's like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, you know, some of us are going to have stars because we're <laughs> immune. And then the other ones that <laughs> don't have the immunity are kind of going to have to live on limited life restrictions. And that's where it's like, I pray they find, you know, the ability to contain and, and, and cure this and uh, get on top of it. And that's where it's like, you know, I tip my hat to all the people on the front line, the healthcare workers and stuff. I mean, I know plenty of friends that work in hospitals and what what they're doing to try to make sure that, you know, try to get as many people that are coming down and going into the hospitals as healthy as possible to make sure that we maintain access to respirators, not hit that scary pivotal moment that everyone keeps on worrying about that. Like, Oh no, it's going to be, we Mm -hmm. can't take care of everybody. And luckily that, as, right. as the numbers are growing everywhere, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, you know, grateful that we have the capacity, you know, up to this point to still be able to help those who still need help. And we've lost thousands of people, you know, due to this. But at the same time, I mean, right. still with the access of doing everything we possibly could at the moment, instead of like we're being overwhelmed. Right. Like, you said something really interesting, like talking about deaths, you know, people were comparing it like, oh, well, the swine flu and the Spanish, you know, flu. But, you know, with the swine flu, just in its first year, they had like 12,000, over 12,000 deaths. And then with COVID, they've had double that. So the mortality rate is quite different. And then, you know, we don't, with the swine flu, the H1N1, they had a lot of people, or many people had some immunity already built up because of vaccines and, or maybe they had experienced symptoms and built immunities to it. With the COVID, we don't have that herd immunity like we had, like we have to the seasonal flu. Because with the seasonal flu, while there's still many deaths per year, it doesn't spread as rapidly because um, as it could, because there's so many people vaccinated or their body, you know, already fought it off. But yeah, it's, it's a different group of viruses. And I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah. Different, different groups of viruses too within, within COVID. I mean, I've read that there's different strains and people are saying that like the one affecting Washington could potentially be different from the one that's affecting New York, just like a a, a mutation, you know, whether it be by mutation or, or what have you in regards to like lethalness, but also population density. These are all numbers. And this is all going back to being a hooligan in high school. I didn't like math. So just kind of following these numbers. Neither did I. My brain just starts (laughs) like turning into this mush but i mean it's uh i'm it's definitely crazy and i try not to dive into it too much but at the same time it's hard when it you know it it affects your day-to-day yeah it's affected all absolutely and i really i really think it just comes down to like we don't have a vaccination for this you know people just need to practice their social distancing in order to protect others and you know follow the the very simple guidelines of like not touching your face, washing your hands, you know, that kind of thing, because it's such a simple thing to do, you know, and if they can continue that, you know, while they work on a vaccine, then I think we'll be better off. But yeah, people who try to gather and keep spreading it, that's, that's going to be the most problematic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in full support of people washing their hands and being cleanly after they find the vaccine too. That's something people should be doing anyways. Disgusting. Right, hands. people should be doing that anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, like I'm, no, Wash no, yeah, hands. but I mean, as we're looking, you know, forward to a, a new future. I mean, chomping on the bit on travel. I know you mentioned you came back to San Diego. I mean, like, did you have any trips or plans or anything that? 
Like, yeah, yeah, I was actually, my parents had their 50th wedding anniversary in February. That's why I went oh. to San Diego and we were planning a huge family vacation, like with my brothers and our kids and all our, you know, my parents to Alaska this year for during oh. the summer. So it was like the first time we'd all be traveling together. Oh we my kids. gosh. And so I was pretty, uh, yeah, I was pretty pumped about it. And then that got canceled because obviously we can't yeah. do a cruise. Oh yeah, you guys were going to do, do an Alaskan cruise up there? Yeah, no, no yeah, uh, uh, dude, I'm I'm grateful that, like, yeah, about a decade ago, my family was able to do that. We were able to get uh, mom, dad, you know, sisters, brother, you know, uh, you know, their husbands, like, uh, the kids, and, yeah, just did, like, the, the whole Alaskan cruise. Definitely, by far, one of my favorite cruises was that Alaskan cruise. Just, uh, oh, I'm so sorry about that, but. I know, but, you know, hey, better safe no, than sorry, yeah. but. I haven't taken like a real vacation in a very long time. So, well, you got, you you got know, plenty of I was time looking to forward plan to it. For, well, where do we go next? <laughs> and definitely the approach. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping next year is when it happens, but you know, with this going on, you know, it just is what it is until, until, you know, no, exactly. I mean, yeah. It, it, most, you know, most places, everybody's being ordered to stay put. I know here in Nevada, if you leave, uh, they're saying that, or, or no, no, it's if, if you come back to the state, like you, you have to, or come to visit the state from outside, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. And it's just like, it's all on the honor system. As far as I know, as far as I know, they don't have like people checking on you. Yeah, and, that's how and, it is and, here. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to think most, most people are doing that and such. But but like the other thing is like, yeah, 14 days or the duration of your trip. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. If you're not going to be in the state long and you're in and out, then I don't know. It, it's all these weird travel stipulations are, are the part that kills me because I, I have wanderlust. So like I, I would always on weekends right? and hit the road. Flights are so cheap I, right Oh now. my God, seriously. <laughs> like a friend of mine... Uh, she sent me this meme of like, you know, when, when the uh, quarantines are lifted, this is going to be me. And it's like this guy f- like rolling down in the airport on his rolly bag, just like flying like a plane, just like running towards something. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah, I was planning on trying to save up money to try to have a Europe trip. It's been like 14 years since I've been out there. And I'm like, yeah, I got to get back out there. And it's like, yeah, there's just uh, and then we're all. No, no, nope, yeah, not happening. Funny. Look at old photos from 35 millimeter uh, uh, albums that I have. I'm just like, oh, yeah, back before digital. So I could go back and look at Europe. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, back at a time when they didn't have this. Uh, but, oh, well. Yeah. The, the, good, the good old days. days. Well, well speaking, speaking of the good old yeah. days, like, honestly, I mean, for having talked to you since the 1900s. And yeah, no. No, this has been a lot of fun, Sarah. Uh, I mean, uh, no, thank you for t- taking the time to join me on the podcast, um, for sure. Um, yeah. like, is, is there anything, like, you, you'd like to plug or say, like, in like you know, regards to your newspaper or any projects or anything you're doing? You know, I just really think I, I don't really, and, you know, I don't have anything really to plug, but um, I do want to say that I think everybody should support their local newspaper. I think those people work really hard. I think the newspaper has its value still. And yeah, it's really crazy to be a, you know, a new, a news media person in a time where you have your, oh, I don't know, your president creating this air of that we're the enemy, but I really think there's a lot of value in um, most local papers, even the Union Tribune or whatever, do a very good job of their local coverage. Yes, so. no, no, that, that that's definitely a good perspective. Yeah, I, I always feel like you you had mentioned it earlier too, like the um, a, a local perspective, and as you're piecing together articles, not always going straight to the AP um the like the the ap mm-hmm. stuff that they they give you and trying to get a more localized feel and um i i know when i travel town to town yeah i always try to find the local paper to kind of get a well, what i feel is like a finger on the pulse of of what's really going on here because you can get that a, a better perspective and window through local papers right yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's super cool to catch up with you. And I hope to do it in person when I'm back in San Diego. It was really cool to run into our ceramics teacher, Joe. Oh, Mr. Nairi, going back to how we started. Yeah, like I said, his <laughs> class where we used to make all these different pieces, but I'd say a third of the class were just basically making bongs. And he just had the rule 
as that long is as it true. wasn't obviously yeah. one. Yeah, and he broke everyone yeah, as long as it wasn't found. obviously one, or if you just made it creative and enough of an art piece to the point where he didn't want to break yeah. it because it was a good art piece, he let him fly. I remember I mean, I'm, I, I made right. a castle like... tower with a, with a removable stone. <laughs> so after he fired it, all I had to do was just chip the removable stone, and I basically had this castle tower ceramic bong I had right you're like no no mr knight yeah it's exactly. a whistle. <laughs> oh my god oh back in the day life yeah but literally lifetimes it, ago. so if you haven't seen it you should check out on pbs they did a like just a short um document i don't know they kind of featured him on pbs but it is he is a trip and it kind of takes you into his studio at where you know oh his my home studio where he does painting PBS painting and, episode. Um, I'm totally, totally trying to google search that yes google that it is probably i mean that man is okay okay for those man. of you who he didn't very, go to sarah high school which is the majority of the people listening imagine the art teacher from beavis and butthead but a little bit cooler like that's the guy <laughs> <laughs> and he looks yeah exactly he looks looks yeah. the same but, but but definitely a lot cooler but but yeah well sarah like i said uh, thank you for joining me for sure and uh yeah be safe out there in iowa and then yeah if you come out to vegas um or or definitely we'd have to like sync up a trip yeah out, out to san diego would love to catch up with you in person for sure absolutely <laughs> well thanks for uh, your time today no no good catching up. up and yeah i'm sure i'll be talking to you soon take care cheers Hey, thank you for listening to episode five of the Before, Now, and After podcast. I'd like to thank my friend Sarah Skull for joining me on the episode. It was really awesome kind of catching up to hear how she's been over the last few decades, uh, along with kind of hearing how, how things are, you know, still kind of chugging along it as normal, so to speak, uh, in, in the wake of all the social distancing. Um, people are definitely aware, uh, as you heard out there in Iowa, but it was kind of cool to kind of kind of hear things not as, uh, uh, dare I say, for lack of a better term, uh, panicked as, as they are in uh, some of the major city centers uh, that, uh, I don't know, like here in Vegas or as I'm catching up with family out in California and New York and whatnot. But for more information on Sarah, you can uh, definitely follow her on uh, Instagram. Uh, she's at the other Sarah with an H Marie uh, at the other Sarah Marie. Um, and uh, of course, uh, she works at the publication, uh, the Crescent News Advertiser, which covers uh, South Iowa. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check her out there. Uh, really excited about uh, the other guests we have lined up here for your podcast. Um, so um, we're going to keep on reaching out to different friends and family all over the U.S. Uh, for more information on the podcast, of course, continue to follow us on social media. If you haven't, on Twitter at Before, Now, and After, and uh, on Instagram at before now and after pod uh, you could also uh, check out my website which i'll update eventually <laughs> at randywrites.com uh, you can follow me on twitter at randy writes w-r-i-t-e-s or at randy Villarba on instagram or you know feel free to find me on facebook once again thank you for listening to episode five of the before now and after podcast definitely be safe out there Slancha. cheers <laughs>